All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Touchdown Rundown. Here we talk about the NFL, and today we are doing that. We're going to talk about week 14. After we wrap up a little bit of rookie conversation, we're going to talk about the Pro Bowl, and then maybe we'll do a little bit of model talk if we got the time left. we got a lot to talk about, so we're going to get this one rolling. Uh, we left off by discussing the 16th pick in the NFL draft. That was Collins to Arizona. He's a linebacker. We said that Tony Hughes valued 11 points, which is really low for a linebacker. For example, Micah Parsons is valued at about 83. It's dropped a little bit since to 79. Um, but besides the point, Tony, would you say that Collins is a disappointment? I know you said that you know the Cardinals are a more complete loaded roster and that maybe that he just hasn't played a lot of time. And that's why he has a low score. Do you stand by that? Uh, Tony, I can't hear you right now. Uh, do you mind coming back in and out of the room just for a second to see if you can, if we can hear you? Um, <clears throat> anyway, I, I'll continue my analysis. I do actually agree with Tony. I think that's a really good reason as to why Collins is low value is because he probably just isn't seeing a ton of snap counts. It's really hard to compete on a roster. Like if you're looking at some of these guys, Parsons was a huge hit for the Dallas Cowboys because he's so good and phenomenal. He's an incredible athlete. We also was playing on a linebacker um, squad that was considered to be one of the worst linebacker rooms in all of the national football league. So I think that's why he's been such a phenomenal success. Like I think, you know, Parsons would have a similar zero score to Collins if he were on Arizona. And I don't know if Collins would have a similar score to Parsons, but I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's see if we can get to my back. You are indeed. We got you. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess I was going to say that uh, he's been pretty decent so far. Like he's, he's shown that he can be talented in the league and he can be a difference maker, but I do think that he's going to need some time. And I think that he's going to need some kind of linebacker help around him, if you will. Uh, he kind of gets a decent amount of focus because there's not really anybody else around. Yeah, no, I definitely like that. So let's move to pick number 17 in the draft. That was Alex Leatherwood. He's an offensive tackle for the Las Vegas Raiders. His current Zelo score is 27, which is actually pretty good for an offensive tackle, all things considered. I do think that Vegas has a pretty decent offensive line, not as great maybe as last year because they had to trade off a lot of assets, but I do think it's he's served as a good replacement. Tony, do you agree with that? I do, and there is one thing. We've, we've talked about this on the show quite a few times for quite a while now. Linemen just do not get the respect that they deserve. Uh, and this class has kind of shown that. We've always talked about offensive rookie of the year, offensive player of the year. We never really talk about the line, or I guess we do on this show. Outside of this show, I never really hear people talk about the linemen. And this year has quietly been an extremely good year for linemen so far in the league. I, I know that we have Leatherwood. Uh, we had Rashawn Slater. We have Penny Sewell. We had... Uh, Barrett Tucker. Yep, we have Tucker off. as well, like... All of these guys have actually been pretty good. Penny Sewell has honestly been the worst lineman of the class so far, only really because of penalties. And he hasn't been bad other than that. So I think that this has been an extremely strong offensive lineman class, and that just doesn't really get talked about, even though they are so amazing. Absolutely. And in fact, to your to your point, Tony, uh, Zelo's kind of average lineman score, typically a real like a, a solid starting lineman is going to be 
in the the high teens, low twenties range. So the fact that Leatherwood is at twenty seven and that that figure is a few weeks old, it could have changed a bit since then. That's still a very good score for alignment. And um, to your point, I know you said that you think Penesul maybe is the worst because of penalties, but uh, the Zelo model still has him as as third best. It's Slater, Vera Tucker, Sewell, Leatherwood, and then Darasaw. But I also think that Darasaw is an incredibly good offensive tackle. All things considered, like you really. You couldn't have gone wrong with any of the five guys. Uh, let's move to pick 18, though. It's another defensive pick and a linebacker. We got Phillips, the linebacker who went to the Miami Dolphins. He's had a pretty good – he had a – I want to say a slow start to the season, but has really gotten – he's improved. I believe in the last three games he's had six sacks. Tony, you know, I think his underperformance, you could point to and say that it's a reason the Dolphins underperformed a little bit, is that they maybe expected a little bit more to come out of the young rookie. Do you agree with that? And do you think that Phillips is establishing himself as a good franchise linebacker or at least a good starting linebacker? I think the Dolphins are one of the uh, youngest teams in the NFL, primarily on the defensive front. And when you have a super, super young team, yes, there's a lot of talent there, but it's very raw coming out of college. So the transition from college to the pros is a very wide jump, and it takes a while for most of these guys to really get settled in. And I think that Jalen Phillips has kind of followed the trend of the Miami defense as a whole. So they kind of started off a little slow, took some time getting used to the league, but now they've had a little bit of time and a little bit of experience under their belt. We're going to continue to see them get better, and we've seen that from the whole squad uh, as a unit themselves. They started off really bad. They should have been really good. They're, ha- they're not you know phenomenal, but they have gotten better in recent. Yeah, no, I, I think that... I mean, they're going to be looking at making a playoff push, which is crazy. I don't think you can say that about a whole lot of one and six, one and seven teams at all. Um, let's hop on over to the next pick, though. It was J. Um, excuse me. It was Jamin Davis. He was taken by the football team. He's currently being ass- uh, evaluated as a twenty by Zelo. He's the left end for them. Tony, that that's another one that like really underperformed and has kind of found its perfect point um, coming in. You know, like it's. You want to be playing good football by December? Well, you know what? They've played good football in December. Um, do you think that he's just kind of similar to the Miami Dolphins? I think it's very similar to the Dolphins situation because just like the Dolphins, the Washington football team is supposed to be a phenomenal defense. And they came in. They were actually one of the worst going into the uh, first couple weeks. And they've slowly gotten back into it. They found their groove a little bit, just like the Dolphins. Not exactly where we thought they would be still, but they're slowly getting there. And I think that, Next season, I know we said that last season, but next season they should both be significantly better, a little more experience. They've seen they've seen what they're like when they're when they're really good, which they both were last year. They've seen what they're like when they're really bad. Now they got to figure out which one they actually are, and I think they're both going to trend. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, and I'll be. I'm always excited to see how these rookies develop, especially as we kind of get to know them more and we get to make you know better takes about them because it feels like going into the draft, the only take anybody had <laughs> were the quarterbacks because you know it's kind of where we tend to focus on in football. Um, but let's go to somebody who kind of he can make or break a quarterback, and that's Kadarius Tony, uh, the wide receiver that was went to the New York Giants, 20th overall. Uh, his current zero score is a 38, which is respectable for a wide receiver, but he'd actually be the lowest graded wide receiver by Zelo. Do you think that's just a, a testament to, you know, Jamar Chase, Waddle, uh, Smith, Devontae Smith, you know, they're all really good wide receivers. You even have Rashad Bateman, though, at 38. 
who, you know, I believe has improved while Tony has gone down in recent weeks. Do you think that's a testament to the quality of the wide receiver in the draft? Do you think that's a penalty to New York? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Like there have been some pretty, like some good wide receivers in this class. I also think that the giants are just kind of terrible and they have been extremely hurt at the wide receiver position. So Kadarius Tony has been kind of expected to step up extremely early in his career when he's maybe not ready for it. I don't think he's, uh, I don't think it's like going to derail his career or anything, or he's going to never be ready to be a wide receiver, probably wide receiver two role at some point. But I do think that, you know, at the end of the day, he is a rookie. He is extremely young. It is an extremely different game at all positions. And I think more so at the wide receiver position, all of the corners are going to be so much better. And you're not really used to being covered, you know, pretty much a hundred percent of the time, totally locked down against most corners when you're, in college, but once you get to the NFL, that's how it works. So uh, at the receiver position, especially, I think it takes some time to adjust unless you're like, you know, Jamar Chase or whatever. But Kadarius Tony certainly isn't. I see him being a good wide receiver too at some point, maybe. In- Do you think that the Giants should have traded down to get him or they should have stayed pat? Because, you know, that is something that I think gets a little bit kind of forgotten. I at least had forgotten until we could start doing some draft research is that, you know, remember the Bears traded up to get Justin Fields. And, um, you know, had the Giants stayed up, I don't think that they wouldn't have gotten another wide receiver, but they could have picked it at a different position. Do you fault the Giants for trading down? Or do you think at the end of the day it's a smart? No, I don't fault them for trading down. I don't, I don't think it would have mattered all that much, honestly. I think from what we knew about him going into the draft, I don't think it was a bad pick as to, you know, what their needs were, where he was kind of slated to go. I think that it was a good idea to kind of pick him where they picked him at. Now, maybe he's underperformed a little bit. I don't think he has just given off the fact that they've pretty much have had weeks where they don't have receivers at all. They've been so hurt at that position. So I feel like it's kind of unfair to judge him off of maybe a little bit of a lack of performance just because he's been so limited with. No, that's, that's a, I think a pretty good point. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it really is hard, too, because of how dinged up this Giants team has been. They've been just incredibly injured. It does feel like it's unfair to make a good measurement as of right now. Um, let's hop on over the next pit, uh, pick, though. That'd be Quiddy Pay. Uh, that was actually one of the picks I got right. I had him going to the Colts. Um, he He's out of Michigan, so I'm a little bit biased towards him, obviously. Um, and, you know, he's, he's done pretty well in Indiana, or I should say Indianapolis. Um, he scores a 33 by Zelo. I liked the pick. I think he's contributed to making Indianapolis a good defense. Tony, do you agree? I think he definitely is capable of being one of those pieces uh, in the future at some point. I don't think that he has necessarily been phenomenal now. I think he's been about what we expected him to be. He has not been bad by any means. He hasn't been exactly, you know, a game breaker. He's had some pretty good games uh, especially for a rookie, but I do think that he has a lot of promise. Yeah, I mean, it was something that was talked about way back when the Colts played at the 49ers. It was that crazy snowball. Um, and it was just, you know, they talked about how good the 49ers offense, uh, defensive line was when they made that Super Bowl run. And then, of course, they had to pay a bunch of people. And, you know, came pay time, the defensive line did not get paid. And so some of those guys went over the Colts. And I think Quiddy Pay is, is a, a real reason that we can kind of, in a few years, say that the Colts are going to have a great defensive line. And, you know, at, I always say I like to build in the trenches. And if you get to build in the trenches, 
no, he's a great way. He's a great play piece to build around. All right, let's hop on over the next pick. It's Caleb Farley. He is a cornerback out of Virginia Tech. He was taken 22nd in the draft. Tony, he has scored the worst of any cornerback, but to be fair, he's not played a whole lot. I believe he's been injured for a good chunk of the season. So, you know, give him some credit where credit is due there. So as a 10, what do you make of that selection? Is it just because the the Titans have had a very weak secondary kind of all season? Do you think it's the injury? Do you think it's, you know, all of the above or something else? What do you I really think that on the one hand, he hasn't been great. And I don't think that that's entirely his fault. I think he's a rookie. He's playing as a rookie should without much help. That Titan secondary has been one of the worst for a couple years now. So it's not like Farley really has somebody who he can like an elite cornerback one uh, that we see like Eric Stokes, for example, came in for the Packers. He has Jair Alexander that he can kind of bounce ideas off of. He can get advice from Caleb Farley doesn't really have that tremendously. They don't really have uh, a lot of great pieces in their secondary. It's why they've been so bad. Uh, But I think that if he develops right, he can be decent. I don't think he's going to be like some game breaker, awesome ball hawker, or even coverage corner. But I do think that he will be respectable if he can get a guy to kind of yeah, I have to say I am glad that the the Titans actually took somebody there because they definitely needed to fix it after uh, last season because they did not have a whole lot of pieces in that secondary. All right, let's move on to the next pick. It's the twenty third pick in the draft. It's uh, Christian Darrisaw. He's uh, in the words of you know a few NFL analysts that I've listened to, he is probably the best, most underappreciated talent that got drafted in terms of the tackle position, um, and he's. You know, he cemented himself into a cornerstone piece in the NFL. Uh, You know, I don't think that the Vikings, when you saw it last night, the Vikings seem to have a pretty good offensive line considering they're going up against the Steelers. So, Tony, you think that this was a good pick? And, you know, if so, where would you want to rank him in that offensive tackle? I think it's a good pick. I think he's been pretty good so far. Uh, I I know Kirk hasn't been hurt a tremendous amount he hasn't been hit all that much uh this he's had some flaws a little bit just rookie stuff just moving from the college to the nfl like these guys are so much stronger they're so much faster their movements are so much more precise so he hasn't been the super phenomenal guy that i think he can be but he's a rookie so we're gonna cut him a little bit of slack with it dalvin cook has been pretty good not like he was last year but dalvin cook was also a little hurt so we can't totally blame the O-line for that. But I do think overall he's been a solid. Yeah, no, you can't go wrong. And I think that tackles, you know, even as we're sitting here saying, oh, this tackle's worth 23, this one's 27. But it's so hard to quantify these guys. It truly, I think, is the biggest regret of my model is that I don't know how to quantify these guys. Uh, but somebody who I do know how to quantify and know how to quantify who's incredibly valuable, that's 24. That's Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. We saw him play, obviously, last night, and he he didn't have a fantastic game. But, again, he's playing behind a very young and not great offensive line in the Steelers, so I am inclined to give him cut him some slack. Um, he could actually potentially finish as the most valuable rookie in the first round, according to Zelo. He currently is sitting at 128. Ahead of him is Mac Jones at 141, but since – writing down that 141 number for the purposes of the research. Uh, he's dipped a little bit <laughs> because he played in the snowball. Um, 
we both said that that was a very weird pick, Tony. Obviously, they didn't take, they couldn't take a quarterback at twenty four because they're all gone, all the good ones anyway. Uh, although, you know, maybe Davis Mills has something to say about that. But you know, we criticized the Steelers for taking a running back there. Do, with hindsight, you know, as much as you have at this point in the season, do you think that that was the right call, or who should they have taken? Uh, I was kind of thinking they it might have been a decent idea to take a receiver just because Big Ben's struggling so much. I do think that uh, I think that taking a running back wasn't necessarily a bad thing because they lost James Conner. Uh, they already had the worst rushing attack in the NFL. That was a hundred percent. You know, we knew all that stuff going into it. So I could see why they took Najee. I think Najee's, he's a respectable player. I think he's pretty good, but uh, I think that they would have done better if they would have got another receiver to go with uh, like a Chase Claypool, simply because we've seen now that once Juju gets hurt, it's pretty much just Claypool and Deontay Johnson. And, you know, those two are, they're, they're talented guys, but with Big Ben being as old as he is, he needs more help than ever. Yeah, absolutely. I, they had a really tough spot to pick from, that's for sure. So I, I think he's he's turning into a good pick, but I think where the Steelers are in that, in you know, kind of where they are in that franchise, they probably should have taken somebody different. I know a wide receiver they could have taken, Rashad Bateman. He's at twenty seven. We'll get to him in a little bit. Um, before we can get to him, we have twenty five. Travis Etienne. I'm not going to say a whole lot on this. And Tony, if you really want to say something, you know, feel free. But he he got injured. Hasn't played a single snap as a professional player. There's not anything you can really say on him besides the fact that I can't wait to see you next. Yeah, there's, I mean, he got hurt before the season even started. I think he would have been okay with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think he would have helped Trevor Lawrence because they obviously they already had a connection going. So I think it couldn't have hurt him. Uh, I don't know if ETN would have had any kind of a special season just because the team around him has been pretty terrible. It's not like he'd be able to rush for a whole lot. So, I don't think he would have been a game wrecker. I don't think he would have been terrible either. We'll have to see next. Uh, actually, I do have something I want to talk about. We recently Lawrence was quoted as saying that uh, James Robinson, the I think sixth round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars the season prior, he's the most important player on the field, and that when they don't have him on the field, it's incredibly hard for the uh, the Jaguars to win football games. Do you agree with that analysis? And if so, why did they do the double down redundancy of having two running backs or is it to have it? Well, we're seeing in the league now, as the years kind of go on, we see that having a two headed back kind of combination is really, really valuable. The Browns are phenomenal when their guys are at full health. The Packers have AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones who are kind of complimentary pieces. Aaron Jones is more of the elusive quicker back. AJ Dillon is your more, you know, down in distance, uh, third down, just heavy hitting will run through you back. We have the Cowboys with Zeke and Tony Pollard. Like it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing. And those teams are also the teams that tend to be better. So I, I could see why they would want to try to explore that option. It has worked for other teams. And at this point with how, you know, they are, you might as well. Yeah, no, I, I can get behind that. I just thought it was at the time. I didn't like it a ton. Um, now top one over to the Browns at 26. They took Greg Newsom the second. He has a Zelo value of 20 and he's a cornerback. So what would you make of, of Newsom, Tony? Do you think that the Browns missed out on Stokes? 
I know you're pretty happy with Stokes. So I think that, you know, there's something to be said for maybe the Browns kind of misfired, or is it just that the Browns don't have the greatest secondary in the world? Uh, I think that, I think that they were kind of buying into Newsom just off of what they saw in private more than uh, kind of what his tape showed. Cause I think by tape, Eric Stokes was better, uh, you know, just from his highlight reels, but every single team has meetings with the guys that they like. And I believe that Cleveland had a meeting with Newsom and it was probably just one of those things where it came down to, okay, well we think Newsom's a little bit more uh, of a fit for the organization then Stokes, that does happen sometimes if you have two very talented guys at the same position. It just comes down to who be, who did better in the uh, uh, in their personal meetings with the team, the workouts, etc. So uh, I don't think that Newsom is bad. I think that he's going to develop in a good one. I do think that in the long run, Stokes is going to be better and has a higher ceiling. Interesting. Okay. Um, let's go to the next one. It's Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver coming out of Purdue. I believe he has a Zila value of 38. He went to the Baltimore Ravens. I actually really like this pick. I've been crying for the Ravens to uh, pick a wide receiver for a while. They got one. They got one in free agency. Don't know if it's really helped uh, Lamar. Like it feels like it hasn't. I don't know. He's a very confusing player. Um, but Tony, do you think that was the right call for the Ravens? I do absolutely think it was the right call for the Ravens. That was one thing that we were harping on in the offseason was you have to get Lamar a weapon because everybody, one of the things that I was pretty, that I was on pretty hard was, okay, Lamar's a great running back, but he can't really throw. And the most popular counter to that point is, well, he doesn't really have a good wide receiver room to throw to. And that was fair. He doesn't really have a great wide receiver room to throw to. And then the Ravens started to try to get him pieces. And I think that he's a good piece. I think that he's a talented receiver. I just still think that Lamar is a terrible thrower of the football. Uh, and that hasn't really helped him much as a receiver. So I think if you give him a great quarterback, he does pretty good things. He's probably a very solid wide receiver, too, as a rookie. Uh, he could progress into a wide receiver. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, Lamar is such a – you could have episodes upon episodes about that guy. Um, all right, let's hop on over the next one. It's Peyton Turner, the, the uh, defensive end out of Houston. He went to the Saints. He's valued at 26. Uh, Tony, the Saints have had a really good defense, and Turner's obviously played a little bit of that. Um, you know, is that kind of another one like Quiddy Pay, where, hey, he's a really good piece that can develop and continue making that team a good defense in the future? Yeah, I don't think this is a now pick uh, for sure. Uh, this deep into the draft with Drew Brees leaving, of course, with your New Orleans, you kind of want to get uh, – you You would think that they're thinking of, you know, maybe we get a quarterback. Maybe Jameis isn't the guy that we like. Maybe Taysom is not the guy that we like. Maybe we go into the draft. Well, you're 28, so you're not really going to get anybody. So at that point, what's their next need? Okay, well, let's go with the end. Uh, we're probably going to lose some players just because the cap thing that they had to go through – was tremendous. So what are they going to do instead? Let's focus on a DN. A DN's probably not going to cost us too much as a rookie, and he probably has some pretty high upside. So I think it was a good pick. Uh, he hasn't really done a whole lot that I know of uh, throughout the season, but the Saints have also been injured and kind of underwhelming. Yeah. All right, let's go to someone who stepped up in a big moment of injury when the Packers were injured. Eric Stokes, the quarterback out of Georgia, stepped up and made a huge interception that won the Packers a pivotal game against the Cardinals at the Cardinals when the Packers were undermanned offensively and defensively with hindsight, too. Um, 
so you've obviously said that you really like Stokes. He currently would be the second highest ranked cornerback uh, in the NFL. He's behind Sertain, which is – Sertain is ranked a 48. Stokes is ranked a 31. A really good quarterback uh, – cornerback, I should say, is, is somewhere in the 60s, but obviously Stokes is a rookie with plenty of room to grow. Do you like where he's at right now, and do you think that he can be kind of pivotal for the – you know, to your franchise? I do. I really like him. Uh, I think that while he has given up some kind of – you know, standard rookie, bigger plays. He's been fooled on some routes. That's to be expected. I'm not going to knock him for that. He's a rookie. He's getting into it. He's growing. He's also thrown into this position extremely early. Jair went down. Kevin King was out for a while. So when we drafted him, we weren't really thinking of putting him in in the first half of the first season that he was here with us. I don't think we were going to put him in at all if anybody, if everybody stayed healthy. We were just going to develop him a little bit. Then he got thrown in really early. He kind of got, you know, put to the fire. He was actually our cornerback one a couple weeks. So he went against some of the top guys in the league and he didn't really give up all that much. I was very impressed with what he did. And I think he has a. Uh, You cut yourself off there a little bit, Tony, but I'm going to assume that you said humongous upside. Um, which I do agree with. Let's go to pick 30. This was, this went to the Bills. They obviously lost in the AFC Championship to the Chiefs. Um, <clears throat> they took Greg Russo, an, uh, an edge player out of uh, the Miami University. Or I should say University of Miami. Miami University is a little bit of a different school. Um, he uh, is valued at 36, which is pretty good for a defensive end. That would make him the, the second most valuable by the Zillow model. That one could have changed. But a, a really good end piece, like we've talked about with Darnold. Uh, I mean, excuse me, not Darnold. Donald. Uh, Aaron Donald. He's about 67, so that's a pretty good indicator of where Russo is at as a rookie. Do you like the pick for the Bills? Because we saw that the Bills really struggled to stop the run. Is that an indictment of Russo, or is that more of an indictment about the Bills' defense as a uh, I think that Russo's been okay. I don't think he's been anything phenomenal. And, you know, the Bills, at the beginning of the season, their defense was supposedly elite. They also played nobody in the you know first half of their season. So I kind of take that with a grain of salt. I think Russo, he's he's been a late first-round pick, is what I'll say. He's He's been nothing phenomenal, but he hasn't been terrible either. I don't think he's really disappointing. Uh, he has made some plays, uh, but I I think it's going to Okay, interesting. Um, so let's go to the next one. The last couple of picks were all edge pieces. Um, so Baltimore, they took uh, – this was courtesy of the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe this was for um, their tackle, uh, an offensive tackle trade. Um, this would be uh, Odafe Uwe, the edge player out of Penn State. He's currently valued at 44, so he's actually the most valuable defensive end. I know that that's – I feel like in part that's a testament to him, obviously, but I also know that the Ravens um, have a really good defense overall, so I think that he probably benefits a little bit from that. Um, although, I mean, that's not totally fair to say because Joe uh, Tyron uh, Shoyanka, he's the the next pick uh, in the draft. He went to the Tampa Buccaneers, where they obviously have a loaded defense, but still. Um, what do you make of his high value, Tony? Uh, I think he's got a pretty good value for a decent reason. I think that he's very, very athletic, and that's going to be setting him apart uh, quite a lot with the Ravens. That Ravens defense has been very, very good. We saw we saw Lamar Jackson throw four interceptions and still beat the Browns. So I think that 
he is a pretty good piece in this. He has applied a little bit of pressure throughout the season. He's developing a little bit more every week. I Yeah, I, I do too, and I think that the fact that he's so valuable is going. It will be interesting to see next season when we kind of do another another breakdown. Um, all right, let's end this this segment that I thought would take about twenty minutes that is now taking an hour over two different episodes. Um, Joe Tyron Shianka. So he is the edge player out of Washington. He went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the thirty second pick in the first round. So he's the last pick of the first round. Uh, Tony, he's valued at 23, which is interesting. It's the lowest value, but that's also, I think, in part because he plays on such a busy line that's loaded with so much talent. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that it's impossible to make like a claim about this guy, right? Because this team is on paper so strong at this exact position. This is this was a, as soon as they made this pick, everybody was like, oh, "Okay, this is." This is a pick that they're making for their future because they they already know that they're not going to be able to keep all of their guys for very long. They got them all for one more season. That's great. But I don't think they keep them all for another two or three. So I think that they're just going to let him sit behind the guys that they have, just develop off of what they have done, have them watch the film, do all the things, and then we'll see what he does later. Okay, yeah. No, I, I definitely agree that he's a, he's he's definitely a future pick so they can try and have a little bit more salary cap flexibility in the future, um, but still have first-round talent at the position. All right, so let's transition over. Again, like I said, that was supposed to be a really quick segment, but of course we can't do anything quickly on this show, um, so it took a lot longer than I thought it was going to. I hope that this segment is a little bit shorter, but I have a bad feeling that it might take the rest of the episode, and we won't be able to do any model talk. So let's try and do this with a little bit of speed, Donnie. And that may have just jinxed us to <laughs> into doing another half segment uh, and then doing a next, another segment next episode. Um, but let, let's talk about the Pro Bowl because it's coming up. I see a lot of tweets about it. You know, go vote for this person. Vote for this person. Um, so I'm kind of curious who you would vote for for the AFC. And I did my NFC picks through the eyes of the model. So I think it'll be really interesting to look at. Um, you know, what these two rosters kind of look like. But I'm going to go first and list off the quarterbacks. So the model recommended in this order, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford. Like, dislike, how are we feeling about this? So we're doing the uh, the NFC first? Uh, yeah, I was I was going to go back and forth with because you uh, picked – all right. Okay. So for the AFC, it was kind of tough to look at all of the uh, at all of the different options we had, which is you know kind of weird to say because the AFC isn't isn't particularly uh, like loaded, I guess you could say. So I think that my guys uh, that I'm going to go with, you have to go with Patrick Mahomes uh, right off the bat. I think that he's had an underwhelming season for sure, but at a certain point, you still have to kind of take the guy. Uh, just because it's Patrick Mahomes. If you put him on a good team, we've seen what he can do. I think he does phenomenal things. Uh, staying in the same division, I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. Uh, that one doesn't really need to be explained all that much. And then fourth, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, let's see, who else do I have? One more. Let's go with Joe Burrow. I think he's been a little underwhelming in the in the back end of the season so far, but at the beginning, he was very good. And just because there's not all that many other guys, you could substitute him for Lamar. But after that four interception performance, I think he got. Are you leaving Allen? 
I'm leaving Allen because I, I personally look at strength of schedule and I don't think they've played a whole lot of phenomenal guys. So while he has had a very good season so far, I'm going to leave him just because like we've said, the team is kind of overrated because they haven't played anybody. So personally for me, I really look at strength of schedule a lot. So I'm going to, yeah, that I find that fa- more fascinating than anything that Allen doesn't make it because I think that is probably going to be a take that not a lot of people agree with. I don't think a lot of people are going to consider strength of schedule because unfortunately, they're probably just going to look at the stat line. Um, how about Derek Carr? I'm curious about that one. I think Derek Carr is okay. Uh, I think that he's kind of like a mini Russell Wilson, if you will. Like He does really, really well at the beginning and then uh, after that, he's mostly just yards, and I know that yards are important. I don't really value yards all that much if you do, if you can't put up other play like other numbers with it. Uh, so I I would say leave him out, but I can see the argument for like. Okay, very interesting. Um, let's move on to the running backs position. So the Zillow model had Elijah Mitchell. Um, I believe he's from the 49ers. Leonard Fournette out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then Daryl Henderson out of the LA Rams. Three picks. Uh, I know Zeke was a very close fourth or fifth, um, but just didn't have enough because he does end up kind of sharing a lot of carries with with Pollard. So, you know, he does, he does suffer a little bit. Um, how about the AFC? Um, so I actually had a question for you on this one. Can you include an injured running back? Because I want to have Derrick Henry in here. I really do. I think, I mean, it's your vote, right? This is your ballot. Um, so I think you can pretty much do whatever you want. For me, though, because the model did have some like really higher, like Kyler Murray kind of got cut off. And I think you could have probably made a case for him to be on here. But he's just injured. So I, at some point, said if you've missed enough games, despite like, your value you can't make it onto this list but if you want to put derrick henry on there i am a little confused because you said he should not be the offensive player of the year but you want to get him on the pro bowl so i'm kind of confused but um but make your case for him that is that is vastly different though right like if you're going to have him as the offensive player of the year then yeah okay you 100 percent. you need to have him be like the best of the best right and i don't think that he I don't think that he is the best offensive player, but I do think that he is Pro Bowl caliber. Uh, so I like, I guess I like the, I would like him as a Pro Bowl player, but I don't really like him as like the player of the year. I feel like those are two very different levels that you're looking at. Interesting. Uh, who are your three guys? So it's Henry, it's got to be Taylor. I'm interested who's his, who's. His- yeah, it's Henry. It's definitely Taylor, and I'm also going to go uh, with. Uh, let's see. Um, hold on, my things. How about okay? Hold on, let's go to the next one. My things not loaded. Yeah, well, full back Kyle Jusix uh, of the 49ers. His value is 23, which is actually pretty high for a full back. Um, full back is another position that's like very interesting because it's. It's like nobody really pays attention to it, but it's there the entire time. It feels like the offensive lineman of the of the running back room. Uh, do, who do you have for fullback? I'd imagine that Derek Watt is probably a very strong candidate just because he's one of the more well-known fullbacks of the AFC. And I imagine that's probably why he gets the Pro Bowl. If he, gets- he is very well-known. I'm actually going to go with a different one. I'm going to go with Patrick Ricard out of Baltimore. Ooh, uh, explain that one. I didn't. I don't think I looked at it since I only did the NFC. I didn't look at his stat line. I'm actually very curious now. 
Um, let's see. Um, hold on, let me get down to him. Let me pull up his stats. I didn't have him actually. Yeah, you're good. I'll I'll read off uh, Kyle Jusic's to compare. So he played in 12 games, started in 11. He had seven rushing attempts for 16 yards. His longest was five. Um, And then he did, he actually has a lot of receptions. He has 23 receptions on 28 targets for 231 yards and a touchdown. That's actually what set him back in the fullback department more than anything was that was the fact that he has so many rushing, I mean, receiving yards, which is another kind of testament to Shanahan's system, right? Um, How about your guy in the AFC? Well, they don't really use him all that much. They don't really use the guys all that much in the AFC at all. I the Niners are kind of an outlier, right? Because they're such a ground and pound team. They really use their guys. My guy is mostly a receiving fullback. He has, uh, he hasn't done a whole lot to be totally honest with you, but I couldn't find a whole lot of guys to do. He has a touchdown. He has about a hundred yards. He hasn't done all that much, but nobody. Yeah. Fullback is another, it's, it's a lot like if a, if a tight end couldn't catch a pass. If you had a rushing tight end, like a heavy blocking guy, very important. Don't get me wrong, but there's not a there's yeah. not a really great way to quantify his value to the team. And because it's not a great way to quantify his value, and this is all about figuring out who's the best and most valuable, let's move on to the next position. So let's go wide receiver. Um, so, oh, who's your third running back? Did we get your third running? Um, let me get it up. Let's see. see. I guess I kind of have to go Saquon just because Nick Chubb's been hurt. And Saquon has kind of pulled up a little bit more in in recent games. Saquon Barkley? That's NFC. My bad. It's still not working. I tried to come up. All right, let me find an AFC running back because I'll be curious as to who to pick here. So I'm looking at it. I think Joe Mixon might be a really strong AFC candidate. He has 978 yards and 12 rushing touchdowns. Uh, You cool with that, Tony? All right, perfect. Let's move on. Um, Let's go to the wide receiver position next. So in the NFC, uh, we have Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson, and Devontae Adams in that order corresponding with value. Uh, Tony, I'm sure you're going to have a little bit of outrage that Devontae is in fourth out of that. Um, And I I can read you the stat line if you're a little bit intrigued as to why that is. Who do you have? Uh, I think we may have lost Tony again. Um, he could be having internet problems. So I, I'm going to tell you who I think should be the the wide receivers of the AFC. Again, I'm doing this with, with pretty much no prep work, and I'm just kind of looking at stat lines, so I'm apologizing if these aren't some of the best takes. Um, so I do think that uh, there is a case to be made for Deontay Johnson. I'm looking at him. He has 990 yards. He's got six touchdowns. Jamar Chase should probably have something to be said for him because he's had such a breakout rookie year. He's 958 yards and eight touchdowns. Then you have Tyreek Hill, who's not had a great year compared to years prior, but he has had 954 yards and eight touchdowns on 86 receptions. So he's actually had a good year by Chiefs not by his own standards, but by normal wide receiver standards, I would say he's had a good year. Um, and then if COVID doesn't keep him sidelined too long, I think Keaton Allen has a case to be made. He's got 929 uh, yards. My only concern would be the fact that he only has four touchdowns. 
could maybe because he's going to miss games and the lack of touchdowns could bring it to Stephon Diggs, who has 898 yards and seven touchdowns on only 71 receptions. Because he's, a, he's in a very quiet year where his, his targets have gone down greatly this season, but he still has put up a pretty good stat line. So I think that there's a case to be made for Diggs. Uh, Tony, what do you think? Are you back? Ah, okay, it would appear that we've lost Tony a little bit. He's going to probably try and do that, uh, exit the room, re-enter the room. So let's go to a fifth candidate. So I think Michael Pittman is a good is a good uh, person that we could look at. He's got 882 yards on 67 receptions for five touchdowns. So he's got about 14 yards per attempt, which is, I think, pretty good. Uh, Chase, Tony's having a little bit of a technical difficulty. If you want to step in, of the guys that I've read off, do you, are, who do you think is good who would you put out of the six guys that I've read? Who are the four that you would put in? Um, four. Can you just re- repeat the list just so that I have it and fresh, so that I can, I can make. It of course, yeah. So you have uh, Jamar Chase with 958 yards. He's averaging about 18 yards per attempt. He's got eight touchdowns. He only has 55 receptions, which I think is the most surprising thing about his uh, stat line. You have Deontay Johnson out of the Steelers. He has 990 yards. He's 81 receptions. That's shocking. Uh, about Chase? Oh uh, No, about Johnson. I, that's more than I would have expected, but no. Oh, yeah, me, me yeah. too, considering the fact that he's probably, what, the third highest paid wide receiver on the squad. I bet you... Maybe yeah. fourth. He's probably behind Ray Ray McLeod. Um, so then you go down to Hill. Hill's had a really quiet year by Tyreek Hill standards, but by NFL wide receiver standards, he's still having a pretty good season. 954 okay. yards on 86 receptions. That comes up to about 12 yards per attempt for eight touchdowns. Um, and then next was Keenan Allen. So he has 86 receptions, but he only has 929 yards. It's going to put him about 11 yards per reception. And this one is surprising considering how good that Chargers offense is. He only has four touchdowns. Um, you go to Stephon Diggs. He's got 71 receptions, which is the fewest of the guys I'm kind of reading off besides maybe Pittman. That's 31 yards per attempt and seven touchdowns. So it's an interesting group. I, I Actually, I mean, Tyree Kill, I'd say like I would take in like a – everything everything equal um just because of the the high-end talent um they all have i mean different skill sets i I think you jamar chase has to be considered in that group um so if we're doing four it would be um tyreek jamar um and and then i would i would say keenan allen just because i think the chargers are going to surge here he had a great game last game i think those numbers are going to come up more um so if i'm betting Taking those three guys, and then I'm. I don't know. This last one is it's it's a pretty tough fourth slot to fill. Um, I guess Stefan Diggs. Um, and I know his numbers are 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 the worst of the bunch. Um, but it's I, I just think he he is a real talent, and it's just been weird up in Buffalo. And I, I'm just kind of ranking the kind of the the guys I would skill skill wise take. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, it's hard to figure out for him because he was so phenomenal last year and not that he's in a bad spot statistically either. He's just, he has more people to compete with, right? He's got Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Knox, the tight end. Like he, they just got a lot going on in, in, in Buffalo. And so I think it's just, it's really hard. I mean, look at that 13 yards per attempt. That's a really good stat. I think, yeah. you know, 
and and it's just it's the Josh Allen experience, which you can love and hate. But um, I mean, you kind of have to statistically throw out last game, even though I think Josh Allen hit him for an easy for a touchdown that hit him right in the hands. Not an easy catch by any means, but he had it over the shoulder, and it, and he probably should have been a touchdown. But um, Diggs is just a playmaker. I mean, he's just really not a product of the system. Whereas I don't know, I I, I feel like some of the other guys may be um less i don't know my my group is very much oriented Mm -hmm. yeah no i agree um so let's go over the tight end positions we're still on tony he says he's having some difficulties with the app right now so hopefully he can get sorted out if you don't mind yeah of course not off uh, sure he gets it all figured out yeah um so the model predicted that, well, not predicted, said that Rob Gronkowski was the most valuable tight end. The only reason that I don't think that case is going to hold out with most people is because he's only played seven games, which that matters, right? If we're talking, if the Pro Bowl is kind of objectively yeah. looking at stats, he only has 436 yards, which is going to matter in the eyes of the voters. Now, he does have six touchdowns, which is a pretty good mark. Um, but then you go to TJ Hawkinson, who's the second most valuable tight end. And the model said that he was the second most valuable tight end because he played 12 games, but he has had 583 yards, but he only has four touchdowns. Do you like that order? Are you going to nominate somebody else from the NFC? I know Kittle has 606 yards on 44 receptions and five touchdowns, but I believe he's also played the full slate of games. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really banged up group. Um, that's funny enough, but I... I... I mean, Gronk is, even though, like, people say he can't really beat man coverage in his, his age, I, I don't know. He's he's still such a nightmare. I mean, he's benefiting from Tom Brady, of course. But, hey, listen, it's hard to circumvent that out. And um, Gronk is a, he's a tough cover. He, at his age, I think it's hard to account for blocking um, in this model. But um, from a pure, like, blocky standpoint, he, he's still super valuable in the run game and in the pass protection when – when they run interesting things with him. So, I mean, if there's anyone else um, I would like to nominate out, out of the NFC, I'm just kind of doing quickly through my head. Pitts is a pretty good one. He's sitting at 709 yards, but he only has one touchdown, which might be the weirdest part of all of that. Yeah. Is and considering like Calvin Ridley has been out for so long and, and obviously there's no Julio Jones in that offense, you'd expect him to actually have stepped up even more, but he has like, his targets haven't really increased off of like what preseason projections would have had him at. It's, it's, it's interesting in that way. Um, but yeah, he's had some good, good catches, good games, but it's been in kind of spurts. Um, any, anyone else up and down? Um, NFC, uh, there's, so there's Gooder uh, of the Eagles. He has 41 yeah. receptions, 15 yards per attempt, five, uh, four touchdowns, putting some uh, almost 600 yards. Um, and then you have Hawkinson, which I, uh, I talked about already. And then uh, Dalton Schultz of the Cowboys. He's got 580 yards, 52 receptions, 12 yards per attempt, and four touchdowns. So you got some pretty solid candidates. Yeah, solid candidates. But I think the way you have it, like, I think Hawkinson and Gronk are definitely the class uh, of, of the NFC. It's, it's born out in kind of what I've been watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Gronk, there's some stat like the Patriot. Uh, excuse me, not the, I'm so used to saying the Patriots with Gronk. Um, in games where Gronkowski is injured or unac- uh, inactive, Tampa Bay is 0-3. And then with him, you know, they obviously have the rest of their wins attached to that. So I believe that, you know, that stat alone should get him into the Pro Bowl, how valuable he is to his team. 
Oh yeah, that's like on off numbers in basketball. Like it may it may not always show up, but like when you don't have to account for him, it's and even they they have like obviously they haven't had OJ, but like it's still like a decent tight end room with um with uh what's his name the guy out of Harvard um uh I'm blanking on the backup tight end, but they he I'll, caught I'll him. Let me see. Um, they well, have a good uh, room Howard. there. Yeah, Howard. Howard, but then there's a, even a third um, Titan that's been pretty productive. Um, his name is escaping me right now, but um, and the uh, fact that you're going into the third Tampa Bay uh, Titan yeah. of the death chart is pretty impressive. Um, Cameron yeah, Brake. no, it's, um, Cameron Brake, who's actually not bad, and he he's been somewhat productive this season. So um, it's it's yeah, Tampa Bay is just got, it's just too much. It's a it's too many talented players. It's it's insane. But Gronk is he's the real deal. I mean, I I mean I don't know about you, but just like every time he gets the ball in the red zone, like you just feel like he's going to come down with that touchdown. He's such a hard cover. It's there's only like a handful of Gronk stomper stoppers that I would even feel comfortable with like putting on him because even like he's it's, he's like immo- he's like an immovable force. You know, it's crazy. No, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. I mean, I was watching, um, I believe it was a, a game breakdown of the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl. And, you know, the announcers were like, this one's going to Gronk, this one's going to Gronk. And they were like, they could look the defense in the eyes and tell them this ball is going to Gronk. And they still wouldn't be able to stop him because it's just, he's um, he's unbelievable. Um, so he's got such great strength and body control. Um, and he is, I think the most underrated part of bout Gronk is people talk about how he's officiating. Of course, like, like he probably doesn't get nearly the calls. He's got the Shaquille O'Neal effect where he probably gets people like interfere with him more than that's called, but he is a master of the subtle half arm push off. He's so strong. He doesn't have to extend his arm to get the space he needs to rise up and no one gets as high as him when he rises up. You forget how freaking. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's borderline unguardable. And I do think you're right that he probably should get more calls, which is crazy to think about because he doesn't need to be any better than he already is. Um, so on the AFC side, you have a couple different good options. You have Travis Kelsey. He has 848 yards, 70 receptions. That's 13 yards per attempt and five touchdowns. That's a nice down year. <laughs> leading the leading the tight ends in, in catching yards is a nice down year. Uh, then you have Mark Andrews. Oh, yeah. He's sitting at 811 yards. He has 64 receptions. That's 13 yards per reception um, and then five touchdowns. Um, and then you have Darren Waller, 643 yards, 53 receptions, 13 yards per attempt, two touchdowns. And then Gusecki, 642 yards, uh, 59 receptions, 11 yards per attempt, and two touchdowns. So of those four guys, I'm personally partial to Kelsey and Andrews, and maybe that's brand bias, but I do think that those two are so fundamentally important to what their teams try to do every week that, and their stat lines are still incredibly good, that you almost have to just chalk it up to those two being the pro. Oh, 100%. It's, that, that's just the way it operates. And, and this is born out like, when you, when you see how Belichick and the smart coaches defend the Chiefs, um, the, and you saw this, like the way to take them out is really Kelsey. People think double Hill. It's like, no, let Hill beat you. Really don't let Kelsey beat you because that's 
the Chiefs' bread and butter. That's what keeps the chains moving and ultimately allows them to take the deep shots to their speedy receivers on the outside. Obviously, this Chiefs' offense hasn't looked the same as it's looked the last few years, but Kelsey still churns away, I think, regardless of if Mahomes is being able to hit the deep ball. And a lot of that has to do with some of the poor offensive line play. But, like, having the... It's almost like in a, in a basketball team. I, I know I'm using a lot of basketball analogies. Apologies. But, like, having the guy that um, you have to respect to give you that consistent, like, 10 rebounds, 20 points. It's like a, it's a great big man. You can have the guards kind of go off game to game. But if you have that solid presence, um, it allows you to take the risks necessary to have a huge, huge offensive production season. No, I absolutely agree. I definitely think that that's a, a pretty good comparison. And there's something interesting. I don't, I don't have the exact stat because it was a, it was a while back. But Kelsey in the season prior, when the Chiefs still had an unbelievably good offense, you know, he was kind of seen as the cover two buster. Like the when teams would go in that too high shell to defend the Chiefs, Kelsey would make them pay for it so that they had to play him differently. And the fact that you know they they're kind of I believe they're jamming him a lot more on the line. You know, those those different tendencies matter. So I think the fact that he's getting more attention probably than ever, uh, and he still has had a good season, earns him that spot. Um, and then, of course, Mark Andrews, he's just so pivotal to the Ravens, right? They trusted you know, they trusted him with that um, two-point conversion attempt, and, you know, obviously he didn't get it, but he's, you know, he's very close. I think he's probably the, one of the best tight ends in the game quietly, and he's done it for such a long time, too, that I feel like he's a, he's a really good player and has earned that pro yeah, I think it's he's due. I mean, he, he had the breakout rookie year when him and Lamar seemed to come out together. And, and it was like Lamar's kind of first year showing what he could do with his arm. Um, and Mark was a huge part of that. I think he was down a little bit, but he's been back. He's he's smart. He's athletic. He's another guy that's um, a really good blocker, regardless of like what he's doing in the in the passing game. And yeah, he's been Lamar's favorite target. Uh, he, he's been the guy. I mean, there's that famous meme of like, Lamar just chucking it up and Mark's down there somewhere. Um, but that's kind of um, indicative of how he, he's been trusted by Lamar um, to, to almost be like a baby Kelsey, where he's a guy like you're with a Lamar Jackson, you're going to get a lot of plays where it breaks down. Lamar's out of the pocket and you have to make something after the route is done. So he's a great improviser in that way. Similar to how Kelsey operates. It's like these guys know where to find holes in zones and they know how to beat some man coverage. Um, so that's all you want in the tight end. I mean, he, these, neither of these guys are as athletic as the next guy on the list is Darren Waller. Like Darren Waller is a freak of nature and probably should be higher on this list. Um, in, in, in a, like from a pure talent standpoint, but his production has been kind of up and down. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to talk Gasecki yet, but Gasecki is just, I mean, I, I almost feel bad for him of, of this group. He's got, I mean, by far the worst quarterback, but a guy who's kind of come on of late. So um, if Tua continues to play strong, I wonder how, how that will correlate with how Mike's not. Yeah, I think <laughs> there's a case to be made for Gasecki getting the Pro Bowl because he's accumulated these stats with Jacoby Myers as his quarterback for a good chunk of the season. So that alone is is reason enough. Um, yeah, I do think Andrews, the fact that he's played for four years and been so consistently good for four years, he really is just a force. And if you're the, if you're the Ravens, you know, he is your Gronk, he is your Kelsey. So you definitely got to keep him. And I think that that's a reason you can't like, I think Kaseki's good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's incredibly important in the Dolphins as is Waller. And if Andrews were in a different conference, I'd say that that's why, but since he's 
since unfortunately they happen to be the same conference as Andrew and Kelsey, I'm inclined to just say, sorry, Gusecki, you know, next year, maybe when you have a, a full season of a good quarterback. No, a hundred percent. No, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm shocked by, um, sort of the tight ends we're seeing, I think out of the college ranks, um, I think there's going to be a sort of a new crop of, of tight ends. I hope Kyle Pitts continues to emerge and, and kind of take a mantle as a top tight end. But then you look at um, Brock Bowers out of Georgia. Like, this kid is insane. I, I, I don't want to get too, too out of the NFL, but I, I could see some of these tight ends kind of coming up the ranks, taking the mantle from this group because it's, it's top heavy. But, I mean, Gronk and Kelsey, these guys are old. There's, it's, it's, we're, I think this generation is kind of graduating out of it, and it'd be nice to see kind of a new crop of tight ends um, emerging. Obviously, Andrews will be a part of that group and Gusecki, um, but I don't know. Those guys don't feel like they're untouchable. I, I feel like we we could find like um, a kind of someone to take that mantle. Yeah, I mean, the evolution of the tight end position is truly incredible. The fact that you used to be your blocking tight end or a pass catching tight end, and someone one day was like, hey. Why can't they be both? And that's, that's kind of what we have in Gronkowski where he's, he's just an unbelievable athlete. He's too fast for the linebacker, but he's too big for the secondary to deal with. You know, he, he's just a true freak of nature. And the fact that if you think that, you know, you pay attention to college football a lot more than I do, you think that there are more guys coming down the pipeline. That's truly an exciting time for the NFL. Um, I do want to thank you for stopping by, Chase. Uh, Tony of he apparently his apartment building has now had a Wi-Fi downage. That's the reason Colin wasn't working uh, for him. The flight couldn't get the internet oh, going. So we are going to wrap the show here because um, you know it's it's been about what one it's been an hour, but two you know I, I do want to let you get on with your day, and I do thank you for coming in and talking a little bit of football with me for for a little bit. Um, Always. No, it's always a pleasure. It's going to be a fun little Sunday this weekend, I think. Oh, this Sunday. We talked about it on NFL Kickoff, which I highly recommend you guys go check out. If you've made it this far into the show, you must you must actually like us. Uh, so if you want to see more of what we do, go look up NFL Kickoff uh, under the Sports 2.0 Network on YouTube, where we talk about kind of how crazy this week could be and the fact that we have so many divisional games that it really could shift the playoff pecking order. Um, but until next week, hopefully when Tony has internet, um, I'll, I'll see you guys then, but, th- but thank you so much, Chase, for, for talking in, uh, talking with me about the NFL for a little bit. It was fun, Tom. Always a pleasure. Um, let's do it. Yeah. See ya. Bye everybody.